Stardate Unknown. The episode, Future Tense. This is the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. Welcome to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, our regular exploration of the final frontier. I'm DK. Mike's taking a break from the show this week due to an unfortunate incident with the Guardian of Forever. Rest assured, he'll be back next episode. He's just taking the long way around to get there. Timely, timely <laughs> reference there. Wink, wink. Mm. No, he's, he's actually at the cinema watching uh, watching Ratha Khan, which I think he'll have a review up by the time this airs. But until then, I've no fear. I'm not alone for this episode. Joining me today is podcasting legend and frequent guest slash collaborator on Mike's podcast, Will Templer. How are you doing today, Will? I'm very good. I'm the superior Michael Wilson. I'm the superior <laughs> podcast co-host. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Nah, okay. It should be fun. It should be fun. Michael <laughs> knows I love him. Oh, well. Thank you love for you, graciously agreeing to, to back me up on today's show, by the way. It's much appreciated. No worries. You offered, and I thought, you know, this could be a lot of fun. Just the two of us. Like bouncing off each other, why not? Oh, cheers, buddy. So, uh, recently, anything on the cards audience should know about? Oh, god, I haven't stopped <laughs> this, this summer. I broke up from uh, university back in April slash May, and then I've literally been working 12 hour days in terms of like I've got a full time job while I'm at uni- uh, while I'm not at university, and then when I'm not at work. I'm just like making videos, editing videos, like for the Who Game Shows YouTube channel, like the Doctor Who Game Shows, or like filming for my personal account or doing like commissions, or like Trek and Mind, for example, Michael's game show that he's put out on this very channel, like commissions like that. I just haven't stopped. So, um, yeah, in terms of like viewing shows and viewing films, I've already been slacking. So I'm glad like opportunities like this has come up so I could actually sit down watch something that i may not have watched in the first place like i absolutely wouldn't have watched this episode had you not reined me in for a recording i was like yeah let's go for it so yeah like i've watched five movies all of last month whereas a few months ago when i was back at university and i had a bit more time ironically i'm on my summer holidays right now while i was supposed to be um i was watching like 25 things per month so you know it's good to get back on the grind and to watch some more and you know at the end you're gonna ask me but i'll just say now like this has made me want to watch star trek but i think that's <laughs> partially down to this episode that we review and being pretty good but also because i have been on such a low in terms of watching stuff so when i watch something that's good and that piques my interest from like the first minute i think yes i will watch more of this show and i will yes. like your viewers might know not really into star trek as you'll probably say, but uh, yeah, I'm going to watch more. Nice one. Well, I'll be, I believe the last time you were on, you were reviewing The Cage from the original series. That, that's right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, for those listeners who haven't checked it out yet, Cage received a very admirable 
four out of five in the episode in which Will appeared. As he said, he's also helped with our uh, foray into quiz show territory by editing uh, work on our recent Trek of Mind episodes, mm. all of which, if you uh, haven't watched or heard yet, they're still available on the YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. So if you've got time, please check them out. And uh, so it wasn't the actual working on the Trek of Mind episodes to, that's inspired you. It was uh, this episode today, yeah? Oh God, Trek of Mind would have put me off if anything. No, 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 no. But I was like, I was listening to it and I was like, oh my God, if I was a contestant in this, I would literally score zero. I know absolutely sod all about Star Trek. If unless he asked me a question like, oh, what is the first like pilot of the original series called? And I'd be like the cage and that'd be it. And that would be my point because I know absolutely nothing else. He did about 20 questions about starship classes, and I just think, what the hell is a starship class? <laughs> I I I I am behind. I am behind. Well. I mean, by the time this goes out, everybody will have got access to the the entire series because I believe it's going up early this week. And mm. as you know, you edited it, so you'll you'll be able to confirm that in that final, I just blanked. You did well in the what do you call it? The not the more choice, like the first round, right? Like the specialist subject rounds, and then in the general knowledge, that was where you slipped out because I thought it could have been really really competitive like that grand finale, but then like you tied with Ariel, didn't you? Like you didn't come last, you were joint second, which isn't last yeah. at all. So you did well towards the end, but for like the first minute and a half of that, you kind of slipped up, which was a shame because you could have been competing against Rick. It did It did honestly feel, you know, in the, the episode of The Simpsons where Homer's brain just gets up and leaves, it just kind of yeah. felt like that. And I was just like, oh God. But it, it is what it is. But yeah, you did well in the day, first episode, was, didn't you? You did really yeah, well in that one. It, oh, cheers, man. It was it was good fun. <laughs> yeah, now, absolutely. I, before we go any further, I'm going to ask: Is this your first experience watching Enterprise? It is. Yeah, I, I was going on to Netflix and I put on Enterprise. And I was like, okay, stereotypical track from my experience. It's like old crap from like the 60s, 70s, 80s. So when I put on, I was like, okay, this is quite polished. I was like. Surely this can be from the 70s pre. And then I found out afterwards that it was like 2002. And it's like, that makes sense now how it's so polished and how it's so clean and how the visuals are actually quite good. Cool. Like now it's dated, but you know, it's it's not like the the cage or pre yeah. like, like uh, what do you call it? Hartnell Doctor Who. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Which uh, was like, I was expecting it to be. People dressed as bees going, animals. Michael likes that episode, by the way. Mike's going to hate this recording. Oh, yeah. Mike's just being called out left, right, and center. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when me and you are in a room and Michael's not here. We'll just talk about him. <laughs> Mike's going to come back takes... and disavow not knowing any of us. Yeah. Oh. Now, I should state that normally at this point, we'd have the hit or miss section to see what our fellow Trek fans think about various aspects from the universe at large. With Will not being completely au fait with everything Trek, we feel it'd be unfair to him to drop those questions on him at this time. So we'll be going straight to the episode Sorry. review itself. So I'm guessing that's okay with you, Will. Absolutely. I welcome that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for well, the audience that may have liked that section. Well, no worries. I mean, you're back. I understand you're back with us later in the series for a look at City on the Edge of Forever, is it? 
I believe so. And then yeah. if you want to include the hit or miss section for that, but just like stuff that I may have watched now, because I've seen the cage, I've seen the first three episodes of the original series. Like I've watched quite a few and I've watched this episode and I would have watched the sea on the edge of forever. So that's like five, six episodes now that I could have an opinion on, on certain aspects of it. So if you want to do it for that episode, go for it. Well, I mean, you know, until then there's still time to watch what is it, More. 600 plus hours Absolutely. of it? Oh, wow, God, year. don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, seriously, mate, I won't worry about it. I've watched it all, but as you know, my memory's so bad, I can confidently say I've forgotten at least two-thirds of it. <laughs> to be fair we got established as well i'm only 19 you're a bit older so you know you've had more time likewise with michael to watch these things so you know i'm new to this i'm and i've watched 800 odd episodes of doctor who so it's not like i've been slacking with these legacy programs exactly i mean knowing your predilection for the type of tv show you like i'm sure that uh, there's more than enough in today's viewing to keep the discussion flowing so are you sure. ready to go Yes, I'm very excited for this. Awesome. Well, uh, our show today looks at the Star Trek Enterprise episode Future Tense, which is the 16th episode of season two. It was originally broadcast on the 19th of February 2003 and features the crew of the NX-01 coming across a derelict pod and the mystery that comes with it. Was Zephyrin Cochran really the pioneer of warp technology or did someone come before him? So we'll get into specifics in a moment. Hmm. But have you got any general impressions of the episode after watching it? Did you enjoy it? Um, yes, I really did enjoy it. I was having a conversation at work with a fellow person, uh, naturally, and they were basically saying that if a show didn't grab their attention within half hour, they would simply stop watching it if it's like a full-on series. And I can completely understand that, but I was like, oh maybe just give it a shot give the whole episode a chance and then if you like it watch the whole series if you don't stop uh so i was relieved to know that the first thing i watched after that conversation was this episode because it grabbed my attention for minute one like the pre-title like the cold open or the pre-title sequence whatever you want to call it like it was i wouldn't say it was superb but you know the, it was a high concept episode, I would say, uh, the future tenses. So naturally, like, you know what kind of television I like. Michael knows what sort of television I like. So this was like a match made in heaven, this episode and me. So, you know, grab my attention. Really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, there's some negatives here and there, but mostly it's just like I was really impressed with the direction they went with it, with like this general structure how it was written, like, I feel the end was very ballsy, not having, like, explanations and whatever. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the episodes, and it kept me thinking. Nice one. Well, uh, I mean, I've got a bunch of notes here. I mean, it's, it's mostly going through it, and we don't we don't really go into the plot anymore on the episode. Okay. Uh, but, obviously, anybody that's that's listening to the episode, they know the basic plot of the... Uh, of the show and what happens in this episode that now they find a derelict pod they pick it up and it leads to more and more mystery especially when other races show up claiming that they want the pod for themselves uh which brings us to the writing i mean what did you think on the writing on the uh, on the episode mate uh so i really really like the structure of the general writing of this episode in terms of like um it didn't offer any resolutions to things. It just kept adding things and you were just meant to roll with it. And then you were like, um, just kind of work it out in your head. So like, I really appreciate that because I don't like to be spoon fed 
you know what the plot what the plot is doing what the episode is saying so um i did see a criticism that was posted online after i watched this in terms of oh how it was written in terms of you know the same scene happening over and over again got a bit tedious for some people whereas i thought that was brilliant i liked how it kept repeating itself because it didn't get tedious like it only happened like two or three times no yeah. twice in terms of those repeating sequences and even then you needed that to really fathom what was going on like if you undercut that like maybe you wouldn't buy into the whole concept at all so you know for the i was four minutes towards the end i explained this to michael privately said four minutes towards the end i was like okay i really really hope this episode goes through with it and doesn't explain anything or everything in the final four minutes you know what i mean like it's like done 40 minutes of legwork don't ruin it in the final four minutes and it didn't and i was like you know what it's stuck to its guns and i yeah really good really good yeah. well written well I, I believe from what I've, I've i mean i've been looking into the the episode itself the ending it was originally pretty different okay uh the writer mike sussman um and i'm touching upon memory alfria had hoped for in an earlier version a time traveling character similar uh to crewman daniels you'll not know who crewman daniels is but he's appeared earlier but he appeared mm. was supposed to appear on the bridge at the end of the episode claim the time ship and pretty much explain everything away and i think it's yeah. much better for the change i love the fact that it were left open-ended that was literally my worst nightmare that was the thing i was worried about in those final four minutes because the actual meat of the story like it came to its natural conclusion four minutes towards the end and i looked on the netflix like banner to see how long it was left i was like four minutes that's enough time for some exposition i was like i don't want that yeah yeah i think it's and pretty it ballsy so, yeah. especially on tv back then to mm. you know i mean you occasionally got these kind of episodes in star trek uh i mean I'm i have faith in the audience yeah I'm trying to whet your appetite here so you go back and think oh if there's more like this i'll uh i'll check it out but yeah mm. it, it it gets very tiresome when in the last few minutes someone turns up there's a deus ex machina and all of a sudden everything's explained away and everything's back in its box i'm not a big fan of that kind of premise no. so uh yeah it made a nice change and i think it's one of the reasons that i enjoyed the episode so much yeah, and like I've seen a lot of people say it's a nothing episode because of that. Because at the end, it doesn't offer any sort of resolution. Everything's exactly the same as it was at the start. I just think, no, surely if, if this is a competent series, which I trust it is, then the consequences of this episode must feed into character decisions and character beats from future episodes. You know what I mean? Because something must have been achieved here to warrant the episode. It's not just like a filler. Like it, I thought about 10 minutes in, I thought this was going to be a chamber piece. And I thought, okay, Michael's like, well, you chose this because it's like the episode Listen in Doctor Who. And I love that episode. It's my favorite episode of Doctor Who ever. And I thought, okay, chamber piece, minimal budget. But then with this Trek episode, a few more scenes came in, like a locations. And I was like, okay, not really a chamber piece. It's taking place across the ship. Fine, get rid of that idea. But those first 10 minutes, I was I thought that was why you chose that for me. But then it was the light bulb moment of, oh, no, bigger on the inside yeah. of the spaceship. <laughs> I was like, that's why he got me into this episode. I, I think one, when they 
it, it does start off like a fairly normal, you know, run-of-the-mill type episode, and it lulls you onto a false sense of security. And mm. when uh, Trip unlocks that latch, and then they mm. see the shaft leading down, it just turns left from there. Another little reference. Uh, but, yes. yeah, it, it just takes a little detour and throws your expectations off. And that's why I loved it. I mean, I think I watched it for the first time only a couple of years ago myself. For some reason, oh, wow. I'd seen most of the episodes of Enterprise, but I'd not seen this one. So, interesting. like you, I'm a fan of the other well-known franchise, and uh, it just, it, 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 you know, hit the right notes with me, and it, I was just getting more and more excited as it was going on. Because mm. I do like a good crime, I do like a good mystery, and for that first ten minutes, it really was a linear sequence of this one or two, like location sequence, and I was like, okay, they're now exploring what this vessel is, where it leads to, and it was like very minimal cuts from that in terms of like introducing the actual antagonist threat of the episode so i was like i really appreciate those first 10 minutes like building up and then as the more concepts kept kept getting added i was like okay this is evolving into something really really good and i was like okay i'm buying into this like when the entire i'm not sure of the villain's name or the the first guys that could like teleport away uh, the, the red guys those yeah. guys those guys forgive me for not knowing the names but um when they first appeared like out of nowhere and then they disappeared like i didn't know anything about them i can imagine you do a bit more than me anyway and i was like okay so they have the ability to teleport in and out of the ship but i think they could only teleport out because he says oh reinforce the barricades or whatever so i assume they climbed in somehow whatever the hell they did but by that point, I thought, okay, so they can teleport in and out of the ship. So for the next 20 minutes until I realized, okay, there's not, they're not going with this in terms of like they could be on the ship, but deceptive, they could be invisible like Charlie X. I think that episode deals with invisibility. So that's what I thought they were going to go with with this episode as well. But eventually they didn't. But for that five, 10 minute spell, I was like, you know what? This is intriguing. And it kept me on edge. You know, it can be that's thinking. Fun. So that's why I say it's high concept because it adds more things in. And even if it didn't lead to anything else, I still appreciate that kind of snippet of hope that there might be something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that you watched this roughly around the same time that you kind of watched it with Mike earlier today. Earlier uh, today, yeah. Did, did he tell you anything about this temporal Cold War setup? He said it was going across the whole series, which I kind of got because I was watching. I was like, okay, there's some elements of this, like there's some character bits where I thought, okay, I'm going to have to watch the whole series to really gauge what this is and where it's going to go, obviously, because the plot threads don't finish here. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of got that there were things that I obviously wasn't going to understand just from this episode alone but it did make me want to watch the whole series after. So, yeah, but he it didn't did, really explain it. No, it, I'm not, I'll not give you any spoilers because, you know, if you're interested in going back and checking it out, I don't want to ruin it for you. It does mm. kind of run through the entire series, although with the series not running for as long as most Star Trek series, the idea got curtailed somewhat. And it the, the original ideas for how it should be wrapped up, they didn't do that. 
So, but as you say earlier, when you're looking, it does have consequences going forward. So they they will mm. they do touch upon it again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just because th- it's just because that ending had no real sort of explanation. Everyone just thought, oh, okay, that was a bit of a waste of time. But then, in the context of the series, I would hope that there was something from this episode that gets brought back or something like that. Like yeah. there is consequence, and if there is, which you say there is then this episode absolutely holds its own as like a, I was going to say chamber piece. It's not a chamber piece, just as a standalone episode, I would say. I, I, I always refer to them uh, as mythology episodes. You know, in this, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched X-Files, but back then, you know, you get a, a, a few filler episodes and then you get something which were part of this larger mythological arc. And mm. eventually it just got so convoluted that it put people off the mythology episodes for the most part. But here's the thing. This is like the most acclaimed episode of the series. When I went on to IMDb, even though there were those criticisms, like a lot, like most people were saying, this is the best episode of Enterprise, like the whole show. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, back then, it it was still, even in season two, it was still kind of finding finding its feet. And I think a lot Mm. of people, it got unfairly criticised and uh, it didn't really pick up for a lot of people until Manny Cotto took over back in season three. But I always really enjoyed it. I don't know if it's because I've got a bit of a man crush on Scott Bakula, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I always really enjoyed it. But to see an episode like this amongst, I mean, uh, you know, you know what it's like when, when you love something, you'll watch it and you'll even make excuses for episodes that aren't that great. Uh, so even bypassing those episodes, I'd still, you know, happily be going along watching Enterprise, and then something like this comes along, and you sit back mm. and you go, "Whoa!" As you say, it's a high concept episode, and I yeah. think they did it uh, really well. I mean, it's a well written script, mm. it keeps you intrigued, some decent action sequences, and a mystery. Or uh, you know, it's, yeah. it is heavily influenced. We'll we'll get to that. I mean, I've got a couple of minor niggles. I mean, when they first get the pod. There just doesn't seem to be any thought to any kind of quarantine. They just, you know, kind of get stuck in there. Yeah, I was just expecting one of the characters, like the captain, for example, to say when they were saying all this stuff about when it was first brought in, I was like, isn't the captain going to say, but is it safe, though? Like, that was my first thought. Is it safe, though? Have they done these checks? So, like you just mentioned, they didn't, they disregarded that. So that's why that thought came into my head when I watched it. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I mean, so I know it's the early days of the Federation as it as it's going to be, but you'd still expect a little caution. You know, yeah. you think, have, have these guys never watched an episode of Red Dwarf? Yeah, because they were like, it has no engine propulsion system or anything like that. And it has, it's scrambled in their systems. So it's like, well, what if it's a bomb? It yeah. could literally be a bomb and they've just brought it in or something like that. It could be emitting radiation or whatever, but they completely disregard that by not even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I also think I, it was an intriguing question regarding Zephyr and Cochran. What if he wasn't the first? But yeah. it's, it's kind of dismissed incredibly quickly. I mean, then mm. they turn to, is it Cochran's disappearance while testing the new warp ship? I mean, you, you've not seen it yet. Everybody, you know, that's listening will probably already see what happens to Cochrane in the TOS episode Metamorphosis, you know, mm. just to, you know, reiterate the timey-wimey aspect of the things that we're looking at here. I mean, yeah. I do think it's one of the better episodes from the first couple of series, even if the plans for the, the temporal Cold War storyline kept changing. Oh, and God, I, 
I do think the mythology episodes such as this, they were always fun, despite the imagination. And I think mm. Future Tense is one of the the pinnacles of that. It's a mystery box. It broadens it broadens the mystery itself, introduces some new and in some cases old players, mm. and it gives the show, you know, adds to the arc. It's uh, it's a shame the show itself wasn't allowed to continue because I think, you know, with with good writing, it, it could have it could have done brilliant. I mean, it's it, it's down essentially to politics and the TV the the station mm. it was broadcast on. But I, I think it's a shame because now we're used to mystery boxes as an audience these days. Yeah. But a lot of them don't necessarily pay off. And I kind of think this one does. It doesn't have a resolution in this, but I think overall, as an episode, and as you say, oh, yeah, it would have been yeah. so easy for somebody to turn up, explain it all away at the end of the episode, and I think it would have just devalued it. Like, it has a payoff in terms of what you've just been watching for, like, the last 45 minutes or whatever as being very entertaining for provoking content, as opposed to there being a resolution to the actual plot. It's more of a, like, a victory of the Daleks, if you guys have watched Doctor Who. Like, it leaves it open. Like, what are the Daleks going to do next? They have just won, but at what cost? You know what I mean? That's like this episode. They're, the ship has gone back to to the whoever had it before maybe or maybe it was like uh space pirates or whatever that just took it but <laughs> like um there's still something to be told there there's still a story that can be made from this from the events of this but this is just our like smooth way of getting into that storyline i don't know if yeah. this does go anywhere with that vessel but it could have done some people will say yeah, some people will say no. Again, at least like we were talking earlier before the show, it's subjective. So I think if you watch it, you'll be able to make up, you know, what you sure, think. Mate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as much as, you know, it, it progressed the story forwards with regards to this mystery that was going on, I did think it had some nice character moments also between uh, several of the characters. Mm. Uh, there was a section with... Archer and Paul, where they were looking uh, through the... Uh... I've got to Google the names. <laughs> oh, no, uh, the captain past. and the Vulcan lady. Uh, yes. Or, yes. Where they were looking through uh, the record from Daniel's quarters. And uh, then uh, Reed and Tucker, which is, uh, for your benefit, Will, uh, mm. Tucker's the one in my avatar, and uh, the other guy. Oh, I do like Tucker, yeah. Yeah. He's probably my favourite character. Exactly. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, he's up there. And they were, you know, I mean, they were a pretty good double act throughout the season, following on from their uh, the one where it kind of really started in Shuttlepod one back in season one. That's a really good episode. I, I recommend mm. that one to you, mate. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's some good discussions there. I mean, I've also got it's again, you, you won't have seen them yet because they come later in the original series. But the mm. Tholians, uh, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, it's the first time. I mean, they're, they're a favorite of mine, a favorite race. But it's the first time that they'd been seen in 35 years since their debut. Blimey. So, you know, it, uh, I, I just love all the disparate elements that they, they put into this. And it didn't feel, to, to me at least, it didn't feel cobbled together. Absolutely not. Like there were some moments, like you just referenced it in the in the quarters when they've got like the pop up of the um of the heart to heart between the captain and the the Vulcan lady. Like Michael actually asked me 
do you want that scene to be explained? Because I think you would have got confused by that. And I was like, absolutely. Like what just happens? I guess that's an element of the show that you wouldn't understand as a new viewer going into this for the first time. Like what was the whole sequence? I didn't get how they had databases from the future. Like what? I was just confused by that aspect. um, again, I don't want to go into it because it's it's from an earlier episode, and if you're right. planning on watching them, it will spoil it. But it but that definitely, if you watch the earlier episodes and then see that, it'll all suddenly click and it'll all fall into place. Fair enough. Okay, basically, point of the story: watch more Star Trek. That's what I yeah, have to yeah. do. <laughs> but that, that that seemed to be fair, even though it did confuse me on what direction they was going with. I did like my favorite line from the whole episode is like the um about the kids, and he says, "I wonder if it would have pointed ears, like the crossbreeding of like the races, or not the races, the the species between the Vulcans and the humans." And he mentions the pointed ears. That was a very funny line. But yeah, another favorite line. If we're talking about favorite lines, why not? <laughs> it's, to, it's towards the end and he says something along the lines of oh, what's the point in adventure if you know what's going to happen or something like that I'm paraphrasing here and I did like that line in terms of like wow if you you have to take risks to have adventure which I was I thought that was the moral of the story especially towards the start where that character who said it goes straight down into the bigger on the inside spaceship like he doesn't even alert the captain he just goes for it so I did like his attitude to adventure and like exploration yeah i did like the uh yeah you know should we inform the captain is what did you say malcolm and he's already already climbing down there yeah yeah i did like that character i mean him and the medic those are my two favorites yeah flox flox is a he's a he's a really consistent to my mind anyway flox is a really consistently well-written character and Mm. you get a lot more good uh good episodes featuring him if you go back and, and watch it same cast member as well, same actor. Oh, definitely, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I thought he, I thought he outshone everyone else. I thought he was the best actor in this episode. John Billingsley is a fantastic actor, yeah. Mm, and if yeah, you ever speak to him on Twitter, he's fantastically foul mouthed. I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I give him a follow. Why not? <laughs> nah. It's uh, uh, like you. I appreciate Trip's outlook on exploration. That mm. that more than anything to me felt very much like the spirit of Gene Roddenberry alive and well in this. Mm. And I like the point of view that he has in what is the point of doing something if you're just going to cheat? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and with regards to uh, Scott Bakula, the Captain Archer, and Jolene Blaylock as Paul, the uh, the Vulcan lady, mm. I always think he's worth a watch again, Man Crush. Uh, mm. <clears throat> Blaylock apparently had some difficulties in the beginning Uh with regards to her acting, she needed a bit of a coach, apparently, according to rumour. Okay. But by this point, I think she'd made to Paul her own, and I really like the interplay between them. At, at this point, there was still under the hint, I, I'm not, don't think I'm giving too much away, spoiler-wise, okay. yeah. of a possible relationship in future between to Paul and Archer. I figured, yeah. Yeah, it never went anywhere, thank goodness. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I do think they've got some good chemistry, even when it comes to you know to Paul cracking that little joke at the end, where mm. it's on about the Vulcans are more likely to accept time travel than they are breeding with humans. And she makes like the slight comment, yeah, of that. 
I yeah, that was one of the plot character threads, should I say, the character threads that I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to finish the series to see where this goes. That that was very much so what I was on about there, the relationship. I knew that was gonna go somewhere, but you said it, it kind of gets built upon, but it doesn't actually evolve it's, into anything. That one no, that one doesn't. But I'm not going to say okay. anything more because, again, okay. I really want you to just go and watch Enterprise now, mate. It's, uh, right, yeah. In fact, talking with you has got me enthused to go back and watch it all again anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's the power of these things. Like, I'm oh. so glad you got me into this because, you know, get it's reinvigorated my love for television. I, of course, always love television, but this gives me an excuse to watch it. So, yeah. Which brings me kind of as far as writing goes to mm. let's talk about the elephant in the room here okay at the end of the day we know what this thing is supposed to be we know it's a tardis yeah to be you fair know, it does have the elements of like the engine and like the wibbly wobbly timey wimey words to explain everything yeah yeah and there's some very pointed references in there you know there's the bigger on the inside and then later yeah. on when everything vanishes they don't just say it's been beamed they say they've all dematerialized yeah the... we could say it's like a random time lord tardis as opposed to the doctors or the masters oh, maybe oh, the masters but yeah. definitely not the doctors yeah i mean in in the the there's a video game star trek online they do touch upon this uh storyline later on it's in a future proof it's called the future proof story arc Mm. And they deal with they deal with some of the events from this episode, and you end up on board one of these ships. It's not a million miles away from how can I put this? The console room. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, it's a game, so it's not strictly in canon. But yeah. But the it's the concept, references yeah, are yeah. very much on the nose in this mm. one. I mean, as I say, I only watched it for the first time a couple of years ago, and I wondered just how far that they were going to take it. Yeah. I mean... They made a few references at the start, but then it just kind of evolved into not so much Doctor Who. I don't know. I, I just... I honestly kept expecting more and more. It, it, my heart was... I almost had a bloody stroke at one point because i just thought <laughs> this this can't get any more closer i mean obviously yeah. it came out the mcgann movie had come and gone several years earlier Five revival six, wouldn't yeah. come up yeah it won't come along until 2005 mm. but as a, a who fan as well as a trek fan it's surprising how much they they do on the odd occasion tread that line yeah, especially in the early 2000s, late 90s, you had the spin-off material in terms of Scream of the Shulka and all these, uh, the Curse of Fear of Death and whatever, and all these books and novels and comic strips and like references in television shows to Doctor Who. So I'm not surprised that Star Trek did dab their feet into it, especially when they did 2002 or 2003, whatever year this was made. 2002, I believe you said. Yeah. Yeah, 2002. Like, this was around the time that Doctor Who was, like, in pop culture, but not so much in terms of, like, the spin-off material. That's when it was kind of picking up. 
Yeah, it was. You were it were approaching kind of critical mass of the wilderness years, and as you say, you've mm. got you know Scream of Shalka, you've got the novel range, you've got the comic books, yeah, and yeah. So so to see to see these kind of on the nose references, mm. it it kind of blew my mind a little when I first saw it. I mean, they did an interview with the writer Mike Sussman in Star Trek Monthly issue number hundred and eight. Okay. And he's on record in there as stating, although I do believe it's a little tongue-in-cheek, and Mike tells me it's a little tongue-in-cheek, and this is a quote. Okay. My idea of the ship morphing into a police call box was immediately <laughs> nicked by producers. <laughs> so, yeah. He definitely said that in jest, but that is quite funny. Yeah. He's obviously very heavily, heavily influenced, and that's why I thought you'd be, you'd love this episode, to be honest. Yeah. And to be fair, I, Michael did say about halfway through this episode, so you'll have the light bulb moment. And then when he said big on the inside, I, I thought, light bulb? Or whatever the first. <laughs> I was like, yes, that is the light bulb moment. Big on the inside. I was like, that's why he's got me into it, as opposed to me thinking it was to do with Listen, my favorite episode. And it's very similar in terms of his style and writing. So, yeah, that's why I thought. But then with the big on the inside, Tyler's or whatever it is, I was like, okay, I'm on board with why DK has suggested me this. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did like that, even though I was more... Well, I, I did like some like elements of it, but I was more into the antagonists of the episode, which is ironic because within a day, I've already forgot their names. But um, <laughs> in terms of like the threat of the story, I was much more into because that is what kept my attention. Because after it was kind of introduced, oh, bigger on the inside... I guess you had the threat of, well, the time loop is potentially because of radiation leakage of it or something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And something to do with the ship, which, okay, the ship is dangerous. The ship has this ability. But then outside of that, we never really go inside of the ship again to do these things inside the ship. So I kind of forgot about the ship and for more of the intergalactic battle more so. Yeah, yeah. But then that was also pretty good, so it's a nice alternative. As as as, as we've been saying, it it keeps your attention held throughout, mm. and I think that's uh, that's a good. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm jumping ahead a bit here. Uh, I think it's. I mean, he's directed by James Whitmore Jr. He previously directed an episode in the first season, Acquisition. Okay. I didn't think. I think he did an excellent job. It never drags. It starts out as by the book, uh, and within the first ten minutes. It goes into, I think, uncharted territory, and it doesn't let mm. up. It, it's always it's got me on the edge of the seat all the way through, from the central mystery to the the ship pursuit. I thought that ship pursuit was oh yeah, beautifully done. Yeah, and I know nowadays you could say, oh well, that rock's just been animated through, and you can clearly see it's got no like depth to it in terms of like the shadow and whatever in terms of like the our space shots not just the rocks but also the space and whatever like it's clearly superimposed and whatever not real it's very fake but it's still like with the music as well the really angelic school that plays over those secret like the transition sequences of the outer space shots i was like i was really on board with it and it's like there was this two shots i think of like exterior of just the enterprise flying through space not in the um, what do you call it? Warp, not in warp phase or whatever. Whatever the when hell it in, is. When they're in, when they're in uh, warp itself. 
in the warp itself exactly so when they're not in that section when they're just flying through space i thought those shots in particular were gorgeous yeah not just the battles but those transition shots i think some of the uh in in general not just in this episode i think some of the flybys you get at the nxr one i think it's a beautiful ship and yes. uh, yeah yeah i think the effects of uh i mean as you say they've aged a little but mm. uh it's still very beautiful to look at and it you know it, it certainly held your attention because you know they're having that uh fracas in the uh launch bay while the ship's shaking as they're being attacked by the Suliban, and then it cuts to the outside and you know there's all those ships chasing them and just when you think they're gonna reach safety they leave warp and they find the talkia the vulcan ship which is supposed to be, you know, a safe part. They think, oh, we're going to have some backup, and it's just been completely wrecked by the Tholians. Mm. And you just think, oh, shit. Yeah, like when the Vulcan's lady says, oh, half their ships are gone, I was like, whoa, okay. So, like, this rescue has been effective in destroying some, but then, like, it's been fought back on, and it's been overcome. So, like, at the end, when it had the gesture of, oh, I'm going to thank them, I kind of appreciate that, like, have a bit of closure on that from, as opposed to just having them coming in as some light relief for the audience and then leaving again. At least it tied it up at the end as well. Yeah. In I mean, that final heart-to-heart. Going back to what you said earlier about mm. the Suliban and that you liked them, if if you like them, you, you do see quite a lot of them in the series as it goes forwards. Okay. And uh, wasn't huge yeah. on the design, but just huge on how they were particularly executed in this uh episode, which is more so down to the direction more than anything, I think. Yeah, so the yeah. hats off to the director, definitely. Uh, and as mm. I said, we flashed a bit forward. Uh, so the acting, okay. uh, I mean, I, I think there were decent performances from everyone, although. There's obviously some cast members which were used more than others. They all get something to do. And as I said before, I especially like the little scenes between uh, Trip and Reed talking about time travel and what they'd do if it were a possibility. I think there are... And, and you know, again, it's an, another generalisation, but I think they're a really good double act. Yeah. Oh, uh, those are the engineer guys, right? Engin- uh, Tucker's the engineering. Uh, Reed is security. Yeah, precisely. I completely agree. Like those connections they had, you actually felt a bond between those two characters. So if one was to be injured, which one of them was temporarily, like the other one was straight on it. So yeah, I felt that bond straight away. So they acted exactly like I thought they would when they came under attack from the threats and whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, I think at the start of the, the show, the writers noticed some interplay between the two actors and mm. they built on that. And in, in as I've mentioned earlier, they gave him a, an episode in season one, Shuttle Pod One, where it was just pretty much a bottle episode, a two-hander with those two trapped in a shuttle pod. Right. And it was really good. And they just continued to build on it. And and they've become and they became great friends after it, so much so that they do they actually host a tread a trek podcast together to this day. Oh, fantastic! Well, the actor is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, crikey! 
I forgot the name. You'll have to edit this bit out, Mike. Oh, <laughs> now, to be fair, I did kind of get that impression because there was a hard talk between them, and one of them was talking about like leaving, like getting away, making something of their life, and then the other one was like, "Oh, why do you think I haven't done that?" And then the other guy was like, "Oh, I don't know." It's like I'm hyperphrasing again. Paraphrasing, should I say? Like that's not how it went, but that's the kind of vibe I kind of got. So like they were staying behind because that other guy kind of depended on him not depend on him but depended on and liked his company i would say and they both liked their each other's company so that's why maybe one of them has been held back from going on to do something else for example that's the impression i got so yeah bit of brotherly love there or like a strong friendship so i can i can see that yeah the chemistry was there yeah and it's uh Forgive my memory, everyone. It's Connor Trinia and Dominic Keating. Okay. But, uh, yeah. I think so if they're listeners of the Hill Miss Star Trek podcast, we do apologize. <laughs> yes, it's it's just that I'm getting old and the uh, the dementia's kicking in. <laughs> Christ, yeah. <laughs> uh, now for the FX. I mean, we've touched upon it. Uh, mm. I think it's good. Some of it's beginning to look a little dated, uh, noticeably... Mm. The Sullivan when it first appeared, I think. But other than that, I, th- I mean, personally, I think it was. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. The updated Tholian ships look great. Mm. Uh, the ship battle looks impressive as they're being chased yep. through water. Yeah, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Like the actual laser shots, uh, they're hit or miss. But like, conversely to the criticism, I think so, while some shots were you know, dated, there's no real depth or texture to the rocks and the spaceship, whatever the hell, like the space vessels outside that were attacking the Enterprise or whatever the hell the big ship is called. Um, conversely to that, I've, like I said earlier, some of the transition shots were gorgeous and they absolutely hold up. Like, yeah, you would see that in like a, not so much a parody, but like a something that was inspired by their earlier works that was be extracted exactly from there, but they did it first, you know what I mean? So it was quite a gorgeous little, not animated, like computer-generated sequence. And yeah, like some were bad, some were good. That's just the way these things are sometimes. Definitely. And when you consider it's a show that what, that aired back in, you know, 20 years ago now. Yeah. And considering God. how much CG's developed since then, to the fact that it still holds up pretty well, I think... You know, you've got yeah. to you've got to applaud the uh, the graphics artists on that because they did a fantastic job. For sure, the, like there wasn't a bit where I thought, "Oh, this is egregiously bad," in terms of the CGI. I was like, "Okay, I know it's that thing could have been better. That thing could have been better, but it doesn't really matter because it's still on the whole across the episode that VFX absolutely holds up." Yeah. <laughs> now on to uh, sound design soundtrack. Uh, Ooh, what did you yes. think of that? Um, some moments, yeah, some I, I can't keep saying this. Some moments good, some moments bad. I it kind of feeds into my general thoughts on the episode as well. In terms of it was slightly over dramatic at points, especially with the acting of the lead of the guy you have the man crush over. Uh, <laughs> like, I thought he put in a decent performance, uh, but I think he, in terms of his movements, in in terms of his general demeanor, especially during the battle sequences, I thought it was like, especially with the music, it was very action, not actiony, actually, it was more 
like epic you know what i mean it wasn't yeah. oh this thing's happening this thing's happening it's more of a this thing's happening get hyped not not even get hyped but this is epic you will believe that this is epic that kind of yeah. and i was like over dramatic over dramatic performances over dramatic music and it just fed into it becoming a little bit pretentious for me but like i can't fault the music in terms of the soundtrack on its own i thought the music was really good but just mixed with the overdramatic acting and um like i don't think the actual plot and the threats warranted such music do you know what i mean i've i do, do you know something i've i've got something remarkably similar in my notes okay. uh, which is Obviously, it was broadcast on, you know, TV. It had to make allowances for commercial breaks, so they had to end on something what they believed was kind of dramatic. Gotcha. But it does, it does very much do the, dun, 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 you yeah. know, as if it's going to go to a commercial break. It's just, it is the nature of the beast. I can understand it, especially where it was and when it was broadcast. But when you're looking at it on streaming. Occasionally, it looks a bit shaky now. Mm. Like I didn't mind the cuts to black because I initially thought, like disregarding the fact that it would have had commercials, I only realized after like the second or third dip to black. But you know, like Interstellar or A Space Odyssey. Have you seen those films? I have. Yes. Yeah, peak cinema. Especially, <laughs> I know. I know you love those, man. I love. Do you not love those? Oh no! I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I love yeah. Interstellar. Yes, but you're gonna hate me for this. Oh no! I actually prefer 2010 to 2001. What do you mean? To, wait, there's a sequel. You've not seen the sequel. E everyone always talks about 2001. I've never heard of 2010. Man, 2010. <laughs> man said, "Man, like a man." I'm really disappointed. Oh I've, man, I've yeah, never I love heard it. 2010 uh, brought up in discussion ever. Yeah, Roy Scheider, Helen Mirren. It, right. It, uh, it, yeah, it, it does what it says on the tin. It takes place nine years later. And okay. Yeah. Like, I love Interstellar. I like a Space Odyssey. I think Space Odyssey is good. I think Interstellar is like near perfection. But besides the point, Michael, do, don't you dare cut that. I just had DK go on the record saying he loves Interstellar. Do not cut that, you evil <laughs> evil man, because I know he doesn't like that film particularly. Um, but basically why I brought up, oh, so basically he can cut this because this going to go lead on to a point. Um, in Interstellar and A Space Odyssey, well, Interstellar copies it from A Space Odyssey, well, not copies it, but it just takes inspiration. It has the same kind of beat. In terms of it faded to black when there was like a time jump. So it fade to, back, uh, fade to black as opposed to having an exterior shot and then coming back and, oh, some hours have passed. So I initially thought that was what they were going with with this. But then after like the second one, you have this really like zoomed in shot of the captain in this event or whatever like realizing the threat and then it dips to black and then it kind of cuts back to a wide shot of the captain doing the very same thing and then he sits down and i think okay maybe it wasn't a time jump maybe it was just a commercial and that's when i realized i was like yeah <laughs> that make now that now makes sense but it's, before i was like interstellar <laughs> it's uh you don't always pick up on it uh obviously with streaming services, 
you don't have that kind of thing for commercial breaks. So I think now when you look back at shows that obviously did, sometimes it can be quite noticeable. Yeah. Like I know with Doctor Who, it never had that problem because it was with BBC. So even if you stream on Breadbox, like I know it's episodic, like it's the serials. So one story is split over four episodes, but you don't have the face to black or anything like that. So that's why yeah. I appreciate Classic Who a lot more than the Enterprise, for example, so far. And Star Trek that's, in general because of the adverts. That's fair enough. I mean, you will now now you've noticed it once, you'll probably notice it more and more if you go back and you know and watch it kind of thing. But I probably but, wouldn't so. mind it on like future watches. I'll be like, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. That's fair enough. And I've got to ask you, I mean, mm. I mean obviously you love the uh the incidental music, Dennis McCarthy's music, yeah. Yes, on the whole, yes. Even though I don't think it kind of worked with the threat levels of what was going on, but yes, generally, honestly, the soundtrack was quite brilliant. Yeah, and I've got to ask you: it's the first time you've watched Enterprise. Mm. What are your thoughts on the introduction? Uh, well, first of all, I looked at the crew and I just thought, okay, so this isn't Spock's crew then. <laughs> I was like, this ain't Spock. Where's Spock? Um. But in terms, like, I kind of instantly thought, okay, so this hasn't got Spock, so it must be, like, a later show, one of the later shows, which now makes sense because it was 2002. Um, so I was like, okay, I can get on board. Maybe it's just, like, a different ship. Maybe it's, like, a different, co- like, squads of people. Maybe there's, like, factions of crew. But, again, I would have to actually watch the show to kind of understand who these people are relative to Spock's lot. Like, of course, you know what the hell's going on. I have no clue. Um, But, yeah, as an introduction to this crew, I got on board with them very quickly because I had, like, I figured that out straight away in terms of, okay, they must be in factions and this just must be a crew and this is very natural. I must just go with it. And I did, and... It wasn't a problem for me as a new viewer. I'm yeah. sure you'll be relieved to know. That's cool. It's it's actually, I don't know if Mike pointed it, it's a prequel to the one with oh. Spock. So this okay. one's this one's set. Forgive me if I'm wrong, Trekkies, you know my memory's crap. Uh about 150 years prior, maybe. Mm. Okay. Uh and what did you think to the theme music? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I really? love I love the title sequence. Is oh that, man, high five! Is that an unpopular opinion? Yeah, high five, man. I yeah, I loved it. I think it's really inspirational, and it gets so much stick, and it's consistently the bottom of wow. everyone's favorite theme music. And, wow. But it, it, yeah, it's cheesy and it's corny, but I I never ever once. Skip the intro on Enterprise because I just love it. No, like on Netflix, it gave me the option to skip intro. I was like, I was going to click it, and I was like, nah, let's stick this out just in case. And then I was like, like in those five seconds before I was going to click uh, skip intro, I could hear the music, I could see the visual, and I was like, you know what, this is quite interesting. So within five seconds, it grasped my attention, and like for hours, like, damn, this music is good. So the oh, fact man. that you've just said that is bottom of people's list is like, my God, the title sequences elsewhere must be fantastic. Half half the people's probably just switched off in disgust at the fact that we both like this theme, but yeah, <laughs> I love Doesn't it. Matter. And I'm I glad you it, yeah. do, mate. I mean, I, th- I honestly thought that you'd like the uh, the opening credits simply because, it, you know, it's of, of your 
as you've just mentioned, you like Interstellar, you like the whole space travel thing, and I think you'd like. Mm. I thought you would have liked the progression, showing it from you know first flight and Magellan and all that kind of For stuff sure. to the to the ship. So, but to hear that you like the the theme music too, I'm well chuffed at that. Yeah, like the visuals were very impressive, but the music, like I've really vibed with, which I think is important. Uh, do you have anything else no, that you noticed about the uh, the sound design? Anything that you want to bring up? Not really, no. Fair enough. I mean, the only another note I've got is, as I Ooh, said earlier... Yeah, I do have one thing, but I'll, oh, I'll let on, you go. Man. Go for it, mate. I was just going to say, there was this part with the communications, and it was purposely really high-pitched static noise. Do you know the one I'm on about when they're establishing contact, and then there's these really no, like noisy interference with the communications? The like Tholians. I think when so, they- yeah. And there was this one moment where it really peaked loudly. And yeah. I was like, ow, my ear. Like, I could tolerate it because I was acknowledging that they were struggling to establish communication. So there is this annoying noise in the way. And, you know, you had the captain making these wincing faces every time it came. And I was like, okay, I could tolerate this. And then there was this one moment where it just, like, it's too sharp, too peaky. And I was like, ouch. And that, is- like, that's one criticism. But otherwise... Fine, I couldn't fault it. That's the thing I was actually going to bring up myself. Oh, okay. Uh, this is, as I say, it's the Tholians. They've not been seen for 35 years. And when they were in the original series, uh, they had pretty much a normal voice. Mm. This one, mm. as far as I'm aware, and if anybody out there thinks I'm wrong or just wants to call me an idiot, then by all means do so. But I believe it's not actually uh, static. That is okay. the voice of an actual Tholian. And the voice, when it comes through as English, is the translator. They're kind of like, they're crystal, they're basically non-humanoid crystal, crystalline spiders. Okay. And their communication is a series of, you know, whines and clicks and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So that's interesting because I didn't get that straight away. In terms of, there was this one moment where it was like, complete gibberish and then he asked actually asked what was said and then she says oh i don't know but i bet it wasn't paying you a compliment and that was when i realized that it wasn't actually it's talking voice like the english that was being spoken was just a translation and that's when i thought oh crap so yeah i do appreciate that you've told me that now like i just thought it was communication interference as opposed to actual like dialogue so i appreciate that a bit more but it was just that one bit of audio peaking which made me uncomfortable for like the half a second but other than that yeah the soundscape was fine that's fair enough i mean i'm not sure if it if if it was intentional to make people kind of wince you know to get that same feeling that he was doing on the bridge Mm. so i guess that's a a mystery as it were it's one of two op- like two events in my life where I've watched something. I've, I've actually been uncomfortable with the audio. It happened in this, and it also happened in Doctor Who and the Silurians, the third Doctor serial, when it's the Silurian breathing down our ears. And I was like, this is horrid. This is actually <laughs> making me uncomfortable to listen to. So, yeah, this and that are the two instances ever where I felt uncomfortable but again, that was like half a second. It was just that one pop, and that was it. Cool. Like I just jumped. Like you mentioned it. You asked, so I was like, "Yeah, there." It was noticeable for the bad reason at that one stage. But otherwise, yeah, like I said, flawless. Nice one. 
I mean, we've, so we've pretty much covered everything I've got in my notes. Is there anything okay. else you've got to say about the episode that you don't think that we've touched upon as yet? I, would, I think we spoke about a lot of the elements of the story, and I think if I were to say more, I would be digging into my conclusion. So I'll leave it as that for me. No worries, no worries. So what mm-hmm. what I'll do, we'll uh, we'll ask you your favourite character moment and line from the episode, and then before we get to our conclusions and score, we'll have a look and see what the audience had to say. Is that all right? Absolutely, yeah. Nice one. So we'll start with your favourite character. Who's your favourite character in this and why? I would say the medic and because of the charm he exerted and just the general performance, even under the makeup, he made that role his own. Like, obviously, he did made that role his own in previous episodes and future episodes, but he really, like, stood out to me as a talented, really talented actor, in fact. Whereas maybe some of the actors other actors around him did not so i would say that was probably my favorite character because it was so well acted because of the charm that kind of reason that's yeah billingsley's as i say billingsley's a really good actor and if you if you are interested in seeing more there are some episodes where he is the main focus and in some in sometimes he's you know you feel bad for him and sometimes he just makes you pretty much cry with laughter. He's a mm. he's a really good actor and he's playing a really good character, I think. For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm coming to see more of him. And cool. like you said, his Twitter, I will follow that page. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think I'm gonna have to go with Trip because I, I love okay. obviously because of the avatar. But uh, I mm. love I just love his little interaction with uh, with Reed. I I I always think that the the yeah they are a double act. We've mentioned it several times, but I just think that the friendship comes through on screen. And he was my second favorite character from this episode, and he was the responsible person for my favorite quote about the adventure. And so yeah, he too was great. So I can definitely back your uh, favorite character as well. Nice one. Well, I'm gonna I'll tell you my favorite line. Okay. And you'll not be surprised. It's where's the fun in exploring if you know how it all turns out? Oh. So we had the same favorite line, man. We did, yeah. Like I like the joke about the ears, but that line kind of is the non uh, comedic relief one. And I think that resonates with me more long term. So that was probably where it was my favorite. Definitely. As I say, it, to me, that line shines out as embracing Gene's vision for the show more than, you know, anything else in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nice it one. just resonated with me and by the looks of things with you as well. So nice. Definitely. And um, what's your favorite scene? Ooh, um, the scene of the battle in the cargo deck when they were like pounced upon out of nowhere and then it ended with um them teleporting away the antagonists you know cool. the red beam so that yeah. was probably my favorite scene nice one i think i'm gonna have to go with the uh you know the same way that they initially uncover the hatchway and then the yes. shaft leading down it turns a regular episode into a uh-oh kind of moment and i really appreciate mm. that I agree. I agree. And I don't think that's just because of the Doctor Who reference as well. 
I think that's generally where the episode like went from good to pretty damn great. Yeah. Nice sure. one. So, yeah, uh, great. Before we read before we get to our conclusions and before we read out what our audience think, uh I'll point out that Mike got a brief chance to ask Tony Newsom a question on Twitter this last week. And bearing in mind this, the theme of this season, he uh, he brought up time travel in Star Trek with her, as in his words, Lower Decks is so good, but there's a criminal lack of time travel stories. I mean, they're a Trek standard. Come on. And so he asked, where, when would you like Mariner to travel and where, when would Tawny choose? To which Tawny replied, I want to Trials and Tribulations, the Bell Riots episodes, which I, I know it means not to you at the minute, Will, but uh, yeah. it, sound, it sounds pretty awesome to me. So just on the off chance, there's a Trek producer listening in. Go on. You know you want to. <laughs> Incoming transmission. So, uh, as usual, we asked our listeners and those on social media what they thought of the episode. We didn't get many responses this time. I mean, I believe we had virtually none the last episodes. Uh, Ooh, so, okay. Yeah, the interaction's been a little thin on the ground so far this season. So for those of you out there listening, if you want to get on the show, please let us know what you think for future episodes. It's very much appreciated. Mm. Uh, so I'll go to Christy underscore JMH on Twitter. She decided to go for a general outlook on the show and say, except for the last episode of Enterprise, it's all really good. I mean, I've got to be honest with you there, Christy. I do agree with you. Could have been done a lot better, in my opinion. Uh, whereas at Alpac Tucker 2, hello, Adrian, says, not one of my favorites, to be honest. The set inside the timeship was just meh. Now, Adrian's going to be joining us at the end of the season for a look at Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. So rest assured, Adrian. God, punish him for that. <laughs> I will be having words. Good. <laughs> And uh, Mike himself sent me a a mini-review prior to his being indisposed, (laughs) in which he says, Not an all-time classic, but entertaining and well-handled, I think. I like that it remained mysterious and open-ended. I appreciated the humour, Trek geek callbacks, Doctor Who references, and impressive space battles. Well-acted, decent direction that worked better for tension or action. Entertaining, good as part of the ongoing temporal Cold War storyline, but a tad inconsequential on its own. And he's given it three out of five. But it's uh, hard to disagree with that, but maybe a little too low of a score. Yeah, but I mean, I did ask him if he wanted me to factor it in to the overall score of the episode. And he said, no, that's not fair because I'm not going to be there. So it's just out of me and you. So okay. the chances are it could be outvoted on this. Oh, sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> So can I have your uh, your conclusion for Future Tense and your score out of five deltas for the episode? Yeah, of course. This is what I sent to Michael, but it's going to act as my conclusion as well. Uh, so, for example, if I like say something towards Michael, just know that it was a private DM to Michael. Um, I said, just finished. I thought it was good. Interesting that they kept it open at the end. About four minutes before the end, I thought to myself, I hope they leave this open because otherwise we'd just be receiving a couple of minutes of expositional explanations, which would contradict the rest of the episode structure. So that's a positive, I would say. High concept, tense, but a tad overdramatic with its direction, music and performance by Scott. Although not egregious by any means, and I will praise all three of those things so i'm more neutral on it as i have i've praised the direction the performance and the music but again those over dramatic bits during the space battles maybe not 
Um, and I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 or a 7 out of 10. Nice and one. Thank you. Nice one. Right, I'll give mine. You'll have to bear with mm. me because, as usual, I'm very, yeah, I'm <laughs> very right. verbose when it comes to this stuff. But I've put it's not to everyone's taste, but I've always been a big fan of Future Tense. At this point, though in the minority, I felt that Enterprise was finally hitting its stride, and the Mythos episodes were always something I looked forward to. Unfortunately, due to its cancellation, things were changed, but it was fun while it lasted, and this episode in particular uses the idea well. It takes what came before and expands upon it, bringing in new elements. It doesn't just go for bigger and badder, though, choosing to insert an element of mystery into proceedings, and I applaud them for that. That's not to say it's a perfect episode. Uh, the open-ended nature, uh, to some, can be off-putting. At the end, yeah, some people could argue there's no real progress one way or the other, leaving them right where they began, and I'm sure people... Some people actually were utterly sick of the Sullivan by this point because they do appear a lot, as I say. Mm. There are also a couple of plot points in there that, while not important to the overall story, don't quite seem thought through. Having said that, the script, to my mind at least, moves at a brisk pace, ratcheting up the stakes as it goes with some solid performances by the main cast. And unlike other shows, this mystery box feels both well done and manages to not disappoint. Maybe it's my love of another franchise that saw this episode hit the right notes for me, but it works, not only as a time travel story, but also as a subtle look at the implications of time travel. If I'm being honest, should the Temple Cold War arc have reached its natural conclusion, chances are it could have been a disappointing mess. But as it stands, I think Future Tense is a good little excursion into what could have been and is a good example of Trek writers thinking outside the box in order to inject some much-needed mystery into a series where a good many had thought we'd seen everything before. And I've given it four out of five. My so, God, that was long. <laughs> it was. <laughs> far, far, I, like, I like that. I was running out of breath then. So yeah. uh, working out the average score, it gives Future Tense a combined score of 3.75 deltas, which I believe puts mm. it just ahead of uh, Assignment Earth last, last week, although I could be wrong. Okay. So there we have it. That's our thoughts on the episode. Have you got anything you'd like to add that you think we've missed or agree with our observations, disagree? Feel free to contact us on our social media account. Uh, leave a comment on our YouTube channel. And as usual, if you like this episode, please like, subscribe, and share while you're at it. Mm. If you feel the need to do so, we won't mind. Uh, while you're at it, if you missed and want to see what uh, Mike, Rick, and I thought of uh, the original series Simon Earth, our interview with Renaissance Man and Star Trek legend Fred Bronson, Will's uh, edits on the quiz show Trekker Mind, or anything from this or previous seasons, then please check out our channels, either on the aforementioned YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, in the next episode, Mike and guests will be taking a look at the Next Generation two-parter Time's Arrow. I unfortunately will not be there for that one. Cue the sound of a collective sigh of relief. Uh, <laughs> as I'll be reported, that's, that's to say, after this episode, I'll be back at all. Same with Will. As, mm. uh, I'll be recording a special episode for our sister podcast, The Silver Screen Podcast, where we'll be launching a new, hopefully regular feature, taking a look at cult movies. First one up mm. is the 80s sci-fi classic, uh, you know, classic in inverted commas, the Adventures of Bukuru Banzai. 
So please, if you're so inclined, come back and check that out and stick around to look at our previous episodes. I will be back for the episode after next, however, where we'll be giving our opinions on DS9's The Visitor with uh, with Dom. So I'll hopefully see you then. Oh, you have Dominic J. Martin on here. Yeah. He's, uh, oh, he's that'll be a good episode. Yeah. So all that's left is to thank my guest, Will, for joining me and giving his uh, opinion. How was it for you, Will? He asks as he lights up a cigarette. <laughs> thank you for having me. This has been a great two-hour period of my life. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Uh, as, and, you know, obviously you've mentioned you like it. So are you, are you now going to go back and maybe make a start on, on episode one of Enterprise? Yeah, I've got another recording to do in an hour. Uh, so <laughs> I have to do that first. But then I will crack on with some uh, more Star Trek episodes, I would say. Nice one. Well, as I said, thanks I for backing me up here today. It's been a not only has it been a pleasure, but you've made it a lot less nerve wracking than it uh, it otherwise nice. would have been. We have done it's... a lot of other recordings by now, I think. So yeah, it's natural at this point. Oh, cheers, man. Whether Mike really? thinks so is a different matter. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> as so... we've established, it doesn't matter what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So. Any place where the audience can reach you? Anything you like to plug while you're here? Anything coming up? Um, subscribe to this channel. Like, subscribe, comment, comment your thoughts, as DK said. And, um, yeah, just I hope I haven't been too annoying. I hope you actually liked my point of view as a new Trek viewer, I suppose. My perspective of things. Thankfully, DK has corrected me a couple of times and actually given me some context, which I really appreciate. So thank you, DK. and. Um, yeah, if you want to catch me anywhere, subscribe to the Who Game Shoes YouTube channel and uh, follow my Twitter, I suppose, or don't follow my Twitter, just go have a browse on my Twitter. I'm sure the link will probably be in the description. So, yeah, check me out that way. But, yeah, thanks for having me again, mate. Nice one. I mean, it's, it's, I've not only enjoyed the Star Trek, but it's been good to find out that we've got uh, similar views on quite a few things. So, yeah. uh, not even yeah, Trek. Yeah. Like, before this, we were talking for, like, 45 minutes, and exactly. we were, like, on the same, same wavelength for that as well. So, yes, it's good yeah. catching up. It has been, mate, and definitely check out 2010. Okay, uh, yes. I, I think you're back with us on here uh, and on the Silver Screen podcast in the coming mm. weeks. Is that right? I believe so. I think we're reviewing The Thing, The Horror, and we're also reviewing The City on the Edge of Forever for this podcast. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Assuming, as I said, mm. Mike's speaking to us both by that point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <thank you. laughs> I try to think him doing this edit on Monday or Tuesday, like he said. Wait, tomorrow? Oh, God, if he gets this edit tomorrow. No. Another Why, no, he's editing this tomorrow. So I, I'll just expect him to wake up to a message. <laughs> I love you, Mike. I love you, Mike. We, we all do. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, he brought us all together. I mean, oh, God, yeah, my God, it's the host of the ship. Definitely. Well, yeah. Well, to be fair, it's like a, what do you call it, a domino effect of me wanting to do a podcast to him reaching out to me to be on the podcast of the Doctor Who podcast we did two years ago. And then the domino effect has just evolved into the silver screen and, like, he has me back and then the Star Trek Hill mission, I say, I came first, I believe. And then he just had me on for the cage and the rest is history. Nice. And if it weren't for you two, I wouldn't be here either. So, you know. Well, we're not hey, your parents, but yeah. <laughs> we're not your parents. However, 
in terms of podcasting space, perhaps, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's nice to got to have known you. And like the yeah. events that led to this have been unfortunate. But, you know, now we can just look back and think, yeah, everything worked out for the best. Definitely. And I look mm. forward to uh, the the, uh, the next few episodes we do, man. So thanks yes. once again. And thank you to all of you out there for joining uh, Will and me today. So we hope to see you again soon. Until then, have fun out there, Trekkies. And remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and, and prosper. prosper. Yes, I had to interject there. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey. The Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast is based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templar. Follow the podcast on Twitter at HomeTrek, on Instagram at Home Star Trek Podcast, or look for the Hit or Miss Star Trek Podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.